I'm Kendra Winchester, here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 41, where we are giving you an entire month of poetry for National Poetry Month. Hello, Kendra. Hello, Autumn. Welcome to Poetry World. I know. This one has been, uh, I don't want to say intimidating. It's been a different month for us. Let me just put it that way. It has. But we have been planning this since summer of 2017, so... Yeah, but, you know, a lot of stuff happened between then and now. <laughs> so I've been really looking forward to this one, um, not only because I'm just relatively clueless and, you know, wanted to read all of the things, but uh, just because there's so much out there and I I could not decide all my picks until yesterday. <laughs> yes, I know. That's okay. I was agonizing over these. <laughs> so... Yeah, there are going to be a lot on social media, just so you know, just so keep an eye out, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We are, we are. Do you want to start off with the news before we jump into poetry? Yes. So, it is high time for women's literary prizes. Yes, very excited. So, first, we have the Women's Prize for Fiction long list came out since we recorded last, and they have their long list, and then on April... 23rd is when they're announcing their shortlist, and then the winner will be announced June 6th. But what do you think of that long list, Autumn? I thought it was an amazing list. Some surprises, yeah. some, some not surprises. Well, Elif Bachman was a great surprise. Yes, I guess I felt like since we saw her last summer talk about her book, I thought it wouldn't be eligible. Yeah, that is confusing. Yeah, it was a little bit confusing, but man, really, though, when I saw the list, I was like, wanting to cry because I was like, I have so many books to read, but, you know, anyway. Well, I was really excited to see her on there, but I was very surprised that Ali Smith Winter was not on there. Yeah, I know you predicted that one. Yeah, I was very sad because, I, you know, a lot of people, I'm not, I, I would probably agree that I think Winter is better than Autumn, so the fact that it's not on there is like... Well, thanks, Kendra. <laughs> well, Winter and I go way back, you know. Uh, at any rate, uh, it is. I think it might be better than Autumn, but obviously they didn't agree. There's also some random books on there, like Miss Burma, which was on the long list for the National Book Award, mm. but I haven't really seen it literally like anywhere else. I haven't either. Um, I also didn't know about Sight by Jesse Greengrass. I was excited to see Eleanor Oliphant, and I did read that book, and it's charming. It's so cute. Um, maybe because I really identified with her, but... <laughs> Um, you know, I also still want to read Elmet because that was on this list. And I feel like that book is like following me around, begging me to read it. I think you would like it. There's a lot of nature writing. I have it. I'll have to hand it over. Send it in our next uh, book emissary bag or whatever. <laughs> and I already have two Trader Joe's bags. What's one more? <laughs> <laughs> What's one more? And then, of course, Sing and Buried Sing was on that list, which obviously we don't need to say anything else about that. I really hope it wins because I've noticed that she's much more well-loved in the U.S. than in the U.K. And that some people mm. actually question whether or not she's overhyped. And I'm like, <gasps> oh, well. feelings. So many feelings. Well, This is why we left England and became a foundation. <laughs> so that Jasmine Ward could win all of the things and be justly <laughs> appreciated. I don't think that's why. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> also was announced was the Stella Prize 
shortlist. And on April 12th, which will be not too long after this episode comes out, they will be announcing the winner. And I always love the Stella Prize because they're books that I usually don't know about. And if you've listened to this podcast for any duration of time, you know that we talk about Australian books quite a bit and how they don't always make it over here to the States for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm always excited to see the Stella Prize list. And I've heard a lot of great things about this list, especially about Terra Nullius by uh, Claire G. Coleman and also uh, uh, Michelle de Kretzer's book, The Life to Come. I want to read Terra Nullius. Yes, I, I have that. One of our listeners actually sent that to me. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I'm Hi, very Jacqueline. appreciative. I'm going to steal it from Kendra, Jacqueline. Don't worry, I'll give it back. No, it does come out in the U.S. later this fall, but, I mean, that's, like, you know, that's four months, so five months away. away. It is. But Michelle's <sighs> book just came out in the United States. The other ones aren't really scheduled to come over here yet, so um, U.S. publishers, if you're listening, please go look at that list and pick someone, someone up and publish their book. That would be great. But this is just a great list, too. If you're looking to read more widely, definitely go and check it out. Um, and yeah. The Strays, we adored. It's very much loved. And so since then, um, we you know, obviously really dedicated and like this entire trove of women writers over in Australia that we hadn't really looked into. So that really got us into Australian writers. So uh, we're very excited about this. And this is probably the most diverse list uh, for the women's prizes. So I'm very excited about it as well. So all the joy and we'll be telling you about our reactions next month. Um, But until then, stay tuned to our social media and obviously the social media of the Women's Prize for Fiction and the Stella Prize. Which brings us back to poetry. Um, So I'm really excited that it is National Poetry Month here in America. For whatever reason, I didn't realize that we had a poetry month until uh, we were scheduling this. And we were looking up months of literary things (laughs) um, last fall. And so I was like, oh, we can celebrate poetry all month long. Yeah, I... I (laughs) Well, should I tell my poetry story now? I think it's. I think this is a good time for your poetry story. Okay, so, we, yeah, well, I wasn't as enthusiastic as Kendra was, but I have a fraught history with poetry, um, namely that involves a bunch of angsty poems written as a teenager, which we all have, I would think. Anyway, so I was really into poetry for a really long time, and I was the nerd who would go to the library and sit on the floor and read poetry anthologies, and then... I just <laughs> threw it overboard and gave it up. And so I haven't read poetry in a long, long time. So it was with fear and trepidation that I went back into reading poetry. But I was excited to have this chance through the podcast to kind of explore some newer poets. Because I'd read a lot of the older classics, like, I don't know, a bunch of old white guys or dead white males. And, you plus, know. Um, Emily, what's her name? Oh, my word. Dickinson? Yes, thank you. L. White Guys and Emily Dickinson. Yeah, but I didn't even read Emily Dickinson. I read, like, Tennyson and Longfellow and uh, Shelley and Byron and all those guys. So I was ready to read something different. Well, we definitely have something different today. (laughs) This is very different. Uh, But I'm very excited about all the wide range of poetry that we did and you know I hadn't really read any poetry until like we did survey classes in college and everything and they were all dead white dudes so last year when I knew that we would probably do a poetry one I decided to work on poetry reading and Jen Campbell in a twitter chat that I was on gave an entire thread of women writer women poets 
and their collections. And so I was like, well, this is easy for me. I will just go through this entire list and read all of them. And that's what I did. <laughs> and so I did make a video, um, a, you know, collection of videos over on booktube that we'll link below. We'll also link Jen Campbell's uh, Twitter thread of recommendations uh, in our show notes as well. So you can go check those out. But so I went through all of those and through that, I think it's just a different muscle. Like it's a different brain muscle reading poetry. Mm-hmm. And I think that for us as main, who, people who are primarily prose readers, we have all this like backlist in our head, like all this reference points that we have. And so we're able to kind of move in that conversation more easily. But with poetry, you know, I have very few you know, poetry, you know, poetry lessons I've, I've read comparatively speaking. So it's like, well, I've limited experience and reference points. And so it's a lot harder to get poetry, but we're getting there. Well, and I think poetry has, well, and there's conflicting message, like there's conflicting opinions about this, but through Rupi Carr's poetry collection, Milk and Honey Poetry has been brought into the forefront of people's literary lists than it has in the past. By and large, I would say not a lot of people read poetry, but you shouldn't be afraid of it, especially like modern contemporary poetry. It's not scary at all. It just requires patience. Yeah. And it's and it's just different. And like for me, like sometimes I'll watch someone who's very experienced, like dissect a poem and I'll just be so envious. And I'm like, well, no, just remember Ira Glass. They're going to suck for a while right. until you build your taste. Right. <laughs> well, and I was even thinking, too, as I was reading poetry collections this month. It, it sounds very stereotypical to say, but we do live in a digital age, and we it is hard to sit still and pay attention and not be distracted by something, especially if there's not a gripping plot or a fantastic, you know, 500 pages of character. You can tell what kind of books I like. Um, kind of like <laughs> sweeping you through a narrative. So it is a different muscle, but it's a good muscle, and I think it's, I think it's a good thing to incorporate into your reading habits. Yeah. And I will say that after reading, you know, there, you know, after reading all those poetry collections last year, I do feel comfortable just going to the new poetry section of my library and just picking something up and reading it, which I did not feel comfortable doing before I had, you know, done that project. So it is possible to get there. Now, I still like I'm I'm not totally clueless anymore, but I'm not exactly like on the level that I would consider like my prose reading, but it's still very enriching and I find a lot in poetry and it's just, I also love seeing poetry performed, which we're going to talk about Mm. a little bit later. Um, But yeah, it's just so different and I love reading out loud too. So with that said, do you want to give your first recommendation? Right. So one of the things that really uh, I think helped me approach poetry is reading middle grade poetry novels. So I, when my selections, I wanted to have a wide range of different, not levels per se, but just types of poetry. So you have different entryways. So what you are more familiar with or might find accessible um, is the kind of represented in our selections. So the first one we have is a middle grade poetry novel. And that is Inside Out and Back Again by Tang Hao Lai. And this won the National Book Award in 2011 and is also a Newbery Honor book. And this is about a young girl named Ha. And she and her family have fled Saigon um, around the fall of Saigon and fled uh, to America as refugees. And it's her experience going from living her life in Vietnam um, to uh, Saigon. So, yeah, I, I really love this love this book. Have you had you read a middle reader poetry novel? I hadn't. And I had heard about this book, but I don't think I realized it was poetry until you put it on our list. Yeah, because it I feel like we just 
we kind of forget that middle reader poetry, like prose poetry novels are there mm-hmm. until we open it and we're like, oh, this is poetry. Chloe Creech has a lot like with Love That Dog and there's Catherine Hess's Out of the Dust and, uh, you know, Brown Girl Dreaming is also a poetry novel um, by Jacqueline Woodson. And one thing I didn't know until I watched an interview um, with the author was that she wrote it this way, not because she considers herself a poet but because she was thinking in Vietnamese and was thinking that the character Ha was thinking in Vietnamese, which is she feels a more image-based language, at least in her experience. Mm. And so then she would write that in English, and it came out as poetry. That's fantastic. That's so cool. Yes. I was just the coolest thing since sliced bread. So I think, you know, um, middle-grade poetry novels are great way to get kids into poetry because there is a narrative and there is a story to it. And since it's prose poems they can read it more easily and um, also in this instance it's a way of you know kind of bringing up a difficult topic with children like the refugee crisis in the vietnam war just has so many things around it but with this you can kind of help you know the kid understand what was going on in different parts of history yeah i really love this and this is our discussion book for the next episode so I will I will save some of my thoughts for them, but I really enjoyed this one. So that is Inside Out and Back Again by Tang Hao Lai, and that's out from Harper, and we're going to be talking about that next time, so stay tuned. My first pick is Native Guard by Natasha Trethaway, and this is a collection published by Mariner Books. And the title comes from the Native Guard, who were a group of black soldiers who fought during the American Civil War, and they're often overlooked in most narratives about about the Civil War. So these poems, this collection of poems is actually a continuous narrative about Trethaway going to Ship Island in Louisiana to the fort where the Louisiana Native Guards were stationed. And the reason she goes is to kind of uncover, well, we find out it's kind of like uncovering her own past, but it's also uncovering the history of these Native Guard soldiers. And I actually saw this poem this collection of poems performed which was incredible it sounds amazing it really was um, at the alliance theater here in atlanta they did a performance of it well it's a great way to if you're not sure how to get into poetry it's a great way to kind of see what it's supposed to feel like when you read it and so there were like different characters so there's a woman who's a narrator, and then there's a native guard soldier who's a narrator, and they had different characters play the different roles, and they had some visual aids, like photos from Trethaway's childhood and things like that to kind of reinforce the narrative of the poems. And it was just so moving, and it was over an hour long, so you had to sit there and like really soak it in and absorb what was going on. And it was just fantastic, like really fantastic. It sounds really Great, almost like a little play. Uh, but you said it was a continuous narrative, so if someone's reading it, is it sort of like a poetry memoir kind of uh, book? I mean, yes and no. Like, it's more of... I guess if you could c- give it another category, it'd be more like a travel narrative. So it's like she's traveling somewhere to uncover something, but we also find out things about her past. And, like, there are, like, some stories interjected to, like, underscore certain points throughout the, the part of the narrative. It was really great to see it performed. And then I've also like looked through it since we got back. And one of my favorite poems, which I wanted to uh, point out, is the first one, which is Theories of Time and Space. And so it kind of like sets the whole tone for the book and kind of explains kind of what I just explained as part of the narrative. But it's very short and like very, she's a beautiful writer. Like she really is. 
Yeah, so theories of time and space kind of sets the tone for the whole poem, and it kind of introduces it as this holistic collection of poems. And she has other poetry collections that she's written as well. Thrall, which we've posted about on our Instagram before, and other things like that. And she's a local writer, so it's also great to read a book by a local author. But anyway, so I thought it was a really great collection. I really enjoyed it. I might have to steal it from you. You might have to. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where you wouldn't think of someone performing a collection of poems, but if you're looking for a way, I'm, I'm sure there's performances online, too, or something like that. It's another great kind of different non-traditional way to get into poems as well. So that is Native Guard by Natasha Trethaway, and it is out by Mariner Books. And my next pick is Falling Awake by Alice Oswald, and this is out in the U.S. from W.W. Norton. But in the U.K., it was nominated, it was shortlisted for the 2016 Costa Award in Poetry, uh, which is how I first heard about it. This was not on Jen Campbell's list, I don't believe, but she did judge the Costa Award when this uh, came about. So when it was published in the U.S., I was like, I have, I have to read it. But I never got around to reading it until this week. And I was reading it, and I was just like, well, I'm sold. Like... <laughs> We're going to be talking about this one. There go your other picks. I know, right? There's just so many. There's something about this poetry collection that really just spoke to my particular taste because Alice Oswald used a bit more traditional themes of, you know, classic mythology, which we all know I'm obsessed with, and also nature, not theme, they're not nature poems per se, but there's a lot of themes regarding nature and animals and just different things in the poetry. And so that's just something that I've always really loved. And I know that's a bit more traditional in theme and subject and different things, but the way that she writes about it is very modern. So I love the combination of those two things. It sounds really amazing. It, it, it really is. Um, so I have a couple here I want to share with you. Um, so the first one is called Fox. And uh, this is one of the shorter poems in the collection. And it says, I heard a cough as if a thief was there outside my sleep, a sharp intake of air, a fox in her fox fur stepping across the grass in her black gloves barked at my house, just so abrupt and odd the way she went on hungrily asking in the heart's thick accent and such a serious sleepless trespass. She came a woman with a man's voice, but no name as if to say it's midnight and my life is laid beneath my children like gold leaf. That's so pretty. It is very beautiful. And there's a lot going on in this poem um, that I totally missed until I started researching Alice Aldwald. And this is one of the more quoted poems from the collection uh, because it is accessible in a way that some of the other poems aren't because they're longer. So it takes a lot longer to discuss the other ones. But this one has a lot about... Um, you know, nature, you have a fox in her fox fur. So she is glamorous, like a woman would be if she was wearing a fox fur, but she's a fox. So it's like a play on um, imagery there. And then Jen Campbell pointed out in her video on this about um, a woman with a man's voice. So she's like trespassing on poetry, which traditionally was the type of literature. It was like the literary fiction of classic literature. It was like the, you know, high literature, you might say, or whatever, capital L literature. And so it's kind of that play on words. Uh, but I really love this poetry collection, and I just I think it's absolutely fantastic. So you'll definitely want to check out um, Falling Awake by Alice Oswald, and that's out from W.W. Norton. So that brings us to the end of our first three recommendations, and we're going to talk about a little bit the Reading Women store, which we have now on Etsy. And one of the things we wanted to highlight is that we have book blind dates, 
would you want to talk about the book blind dates a little bit, Kendra? Yeah, so we have put together some books that we thought that you would enjoy. And so what you do is you, you when you order one of the books, you tell us about your three most recent books that you enjoyed or just three books that you really enjoyed. And you could also send us your Goodreads. We can check those out to make sure you don't already have it. But you ask us for a blind date book, and then we wrap it up and we send it to you. And it's a, just a blind date, and you can read it. And these are all books by or about women. Uh, let's be honest, they're all by women. <laughs> and we really enjoyed doing this. It's like finding, it's like pairing two people together. Like we're matchmakers. And it's really fun to do that. And we love featuring some of our favorite books that we really enjoy sharing. So like Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, we've sent out. Uh, what are some other ones that we've sent out? We've sent out All the Single Ladies, Shelter, and some of the books I have on, on the queue are like H is for Hawk by Helen McDonald, The Snow Child by Eowyn Ivy, uh, The Butcher's Hook by Janet Ellis. So we have a ton of really great books. And we have a bunch of books that we both just really love, that we love sharing, that we don't necessarily talk about a ton on the podcast, like The Snow Child by Eowyn Ivy. Like, we both adore that book. I just can't even describe how much we love that book, but we don't really talk about it for whatever reason. So, But we also have, like, thrillers and nonfiction and historical fiction and all we we have all kinds of stuff we have all the things so whatever your preference definitely let us know or if you're buying it as a gift for someone else you can let us know what type of books they like and we can work with you on that um we are happy to do that so our code this month is read women april and so if you use that code you'll get 15 percent off your purchase so definitely check that out and head over to the reading women store that will be linked of course in our show notes so i believe you have the next pick autumn I do. So my next pick is Whereas by Laylee Long Soldier, and this poetry collection is published by Grey Wolf Press. No one is surprised. They are amazing, but that's a side note. Whereas is a collection that is actually in response to a apology. If you could see me, I'm putting it in quotes. An apology to Native Americans for the way that the United States has treated them over our history. And so... That's, but, but that's more like the second half of the poetry collection. The first half is more of just a lot of nature poems and a lot of lots of other poems, which I'll get into in a minute. But that's kind of the where the title comes from, whereas. So she's kind of responding in a legal-ish kind of way to this apology and kind of how she feels about it. One of the things that really stood out to me about this poetry collection was the variety of styles in the collection because she definitely fits the style and the cadence and the rhythm and even the structure how the poems are laid out on the page to fit the tone that she's trying to convey for example there is this one poem where called three and it is talking about how native americans are being boxed into these reservations and it's a very short poem but it creates a box on the page so not only do you like hear what the words are saying but you see it visually represented on the page as well. I really love this poetry collection as well. It's our other discussion book, and uh, uh, Laylee Long Soldier was shortlisted for the National Book Award, which is where we first heard about it, and so we really geeked out about it and really love this collection, so when we had the chance to talk about it, we're like, yes! Yes, and this collection also won the Penn Jean Stein Book Award this pa- a couple weeks ago. It's like a, oh, I guess it was a couple months ago. So, it's getting a lot of really great reception and it's well deserved. Like it was I expected to like it, but I didn't expect to like it as much as I I did like it. 
again, the first poem in the book, I'm going to just take a moment. It's three lines. I'm going to take a moment to read it. She says, Now, make room in the mouth for grasses, grasses, grasses. And grasses, grasses, grasses is all, like, smushed together. And the whole book kind of talks, or the whole collection talks about language and how we use language. And there's a lot of nature imagery and a lot of imagery about the grasses and about the plains that she grew up in and kind of how the grasses affect her life. So it really, in that grasses, grasses, grasses is woven throughout and it ends up at the in the very end in her, in the last poem as well. So it's just beautifully done and very melodic, I think I would say. She has a very beautiful way of expressing herself, and she has such a wide variety of themes as well that all go together with her, and it's almost like her personhood unifies the theme. So she talks about her motherhood and what it's like to be a mother and then um, what it's like to love language and, and use language to express herself, and uh, it's just a very, very beautiful collection. And I know a lot of people have been mentioning this uh, recently, especially with all the awards that she's won, but it's definitely worth the hype. It is just so it's a beautiful collection i think we keep saying that but it's just true like we she took all the words we don't have any more it is true (laughs) well and i sat down and read large chunks of these poems in one sitting and then i'd kind of leave and walk away and come back and read another chunk of them and just to allow them to sink in a little bit what she was saying because i think that's something about poetry that they seem short and you can easily gloss through like 50 pages in an hour or something but if you sit and let them simmer for a while, you see what the poet is doing and the parallels and the repetition of words and the themes, and it's just really magnificent. So, And as Kendra said, we're gonna, this is our discussion collection for next episode, so be sure to tune in for that. And that is Whereas by Laylee Long Soldier, published by Grey Wolf Press. So my last pick is Cape Verdean Blues by Shauna Barbosa, and that's out from University of Pittsburgh Press. And this is her debut collection. And I wanted, as I said, I mentioned on the top of the podcast, I wanted to have representation of different types of poetry and different like kind of like stages almost. So this is her debut. And one of the reasons I want to talk about this last is because she takes such a modern spin on her poetry and her styles and I feel like this is it I feel like this is a snapshot of our time and she also does just a beautiful way of expressing herself in our generation and just a lot of different things about her life she has two different series in the book and one of them is uh this won't make sense in English but also um she has another one called Strology which is which is a poetry based on sort of like playing on an astrology prediction for a particular sign. I found my sign, which is Taurus. So just so you know, we don't have an explicit rating on this podcast. So uh, there are some words in here I'm going to skip over. But when you go, you can go find the poem online if you want it poem in full. So this poem is entitled Astrology Taurus. Be a bird this month. Be built in speakers. When you find your honey eclipse behind licorice lips, wisdom body yourself into a feverish chant. Remember when you used to be so mad at Biggie for killing Tupac? Turn the storyless scar into a symphony. He's so new. You love when he calls you names, when you don't know how he could live outside of you. When rich black ain't less black, be the exotic accent over the E, like one of those neon signs that flinch. Shoulders make ceilings tangible. Be luring when you break. You are a furnished room. You mourn persons unknown. You belt out dear mamas wrapped in wrap. 
You are more than body goals. Your wisdom body is mounted at the tips of praying hands. Your wisdom body will trump the trauma. Be a bird this month. Be turned on your own energy. The only cure for this hangover is you. And there's just so much packed into that little poem. And I felt like this poetry collection in particular was one that I needed to read cover to cover and then go back and reread all of them because there's just so much in the poems themselves. It's like they're very condensed. Like Autumn was saying uh, with Lily Longsower's poetry, that they're just so condensed. There's so much in this tiny space. We have to slowly mull it over and think about all the various meanings of the words in this. And if you've read the golden compass with the alethiometer, each one of those symbols has like five, you know, umpteen, uh, limitless meanings, really. And I feel like when uh, Shana Barbosa uses a word in her poetry. It's like that. Each word has so many multiple meanings, especially within the context um, of Shana Barbosa's life and uh, just her experience, and also you know our you know our generation, our time period. And I was just really impressed with this collection. It sounds incredible. And I saw the cover. I don't. I think you tweeted about it or something, and it looks fantastic. It really is. It's uh, for those of you at home. Uh, this is a. It's like an ocean, and it's a wave, and you can actually see the little rivets in the wave. And then there's like this like sky, orangey red sky in the background, um, and then there are these like lines all over it, like these little green lights. Very very beautiful. Um, so we'll be posting about that on our social media and different things, so you'll be sure to see that. But yeah. So that is Cape Verdean Blues by Shauna Barbosa, and that's out from University of Pittsburgh Press. So my final pick is Where Clouds Are Formed by Ophelia Zepeda, and this is published by University of Arizona Press. And it is another collection by a Native American woman, but it is a very, it's a very different style. Uh, I should have looked up when this was published, but this was published... Let me see. Oh, 2008. So it's a, it's a much more traditional kind of style of poems, whereas Laylee Long Soldier kind of is more uh, experimental with her form. This is kind of more traditional-ish, I guess I should say that. I really shouldn't say that, but it kind of is. Um, but where clouds are formed, like, Zepeda is part of the Tohono O'odham tribe, which is in, Tuc- like, in Arizona kind of area. So it's definitely a different sort of surroundings than the other one and Zepeda is also Tucson's poet laureate and she also wrote the first grammar book for the Tohono O'odham language which is I think really fascinating it's fascinating so she's a grammarian too that's really cool yeah I know I was like what that's so cool um but this collection is very much as you can tell from the title where clouds are formed water is a big theme in this book and like the different ways that it is it it's like rain and mist and water bottles and deserts and like the absence of water and the presence of water and all these different ways that water manifests itself and that's kind of how it is tied together as a theme and there's three sections so there's lost prayers other worlds and how to end a season and each section has its own kind of mini theme or sub theme throughout it but one of the things I thought was really cool about this collection is a lot of the poems she wrote in the Tohono O'odham language. So that will be on like the left-hand side of the page, and then the English translation will be on the right hand of the page, or she'll intersperse it throughout the poems. And I thought that was really fascinating, and it, it's it's a language that I was not familiar with, like seeing it written at all. So I'm 
made sure that I slowed down and read, like looked at every single character, even though I couldn't understand what it was saying. The way that the letters were constructed and the way that the accents were over the letters really gave it a feel to the whole poem. And then when you read the English translation, you could, I don't know, I felt like you could kind of see like how they related to each other, which I thought was really cool. And then one of my favorite poems, so she talks about not only about nature, but she also kind of talks about this this relationship between the old ways or the traditional ways of, of living and doing life compared with the present culture. And one of the poems is called The Other World. And it says, she said, when we get back to our world, can we rent a video we all can watch? What do you mean our world? This place is your world. This place of sand, rocks, mesquite, rattlesnakes, lizards, and little rain. This is yours. Oh, okay. When we get back to the other world, can we rent a video? A clear night in the Kofa Mountains where stars are visible even on the horizon. We sit with heads tilted and marvel at them all evening long. At one point, we watch a satellite watching us. We point out the Milky Way and its dense gray majesty resting quietly on a massive carpet of black. They call it the backbone, the universe's nervous system. If the Milky Way falters in its rhythm, it is a sign of our violation of the rules of civilization. Some of us will look at each other and wonder which ones. Some will begin selling alibis, and others will find temporary shelter in the land down under. And I thought that poem was just a really great kind of summation of a lot of the themes in this book, which is the past and the present and nature and how we relate to nature and how we often are unaware of nature. But if we take a moment to stop and see what's going on around us, then we'll be surprised or amazed or mesmerized by what we see. And there's also... Um, a lot of talk about languages as, as well, which makes sense since she's a grammarian. So it was really, I really enjoyed reading it. It sounds really amazing, and I'm going to be stealing that um, here shortly. I mean, just the way that she has the language on the one side and then the English on the other side just seems just an added layer of, of beauty and meaning. And I mean, and if she's a grammar nerd, then she has to write amazing poetry, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This collection was published in 2008, so it's not a new collection at all, but that doesn't mean that it's not a great collection of poems that should be on your list. So definitely look for Where Clouds Are Formed by Ophelia Zepeda. It is published by the University of Arizona Press. That's all of our picks for this month. What? Which is, I know, right? Right? Uh, but just as a reminder to everyone, we will have some additional resources in our show notes as well as all over social media i'm already planning all the poetry collections that i'm going to be sharing on twitter <laughs> so or just go follow kendra on goodreads <laughs> they're all there there there's so many poetry collections and of course if you have poetry collections that you would like to recommend to us definitely uh, send us a note or you know contact us in all the places we'll we'll be there for that we'll be there we're down for that so what are you reading now after all this amazing poetry well, I am about to start. I haven't started it yet, but I got an arc of Though I Get Home by YZ Chen. And this is a book published by Feminist Press, which I've never read a book by them before. And so I'm really excited to jump into it. I've heard amazing things about it. So, Well, if they're called Feminist Press, then they have to have, you know, right, well, some right. awesome women writers. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm really excited to get into it. 
Uh, so the book that I'm reading is Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Adeyemi, and I feel like everyone knows what this book is. It's one of the most buzzed books of the season, uh, but Henry Holt sent me an arc of it, and it's 600 pages. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I started it a week and a half ago, but I still am, am getting through. And it's about the, this um, West Africa inspired uh, story, like mythology type story of this all the magic has left the land and stuff. And so it's like a YA magic adventure story, which, which of course, you know, I had to read. So I'm enjoying it so far. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens with it. But so stay tuned. So thank you all for listening to the first episode in our uh, Poetry Month podcasting. If you haven't already and would like to help us out, please leave a review, rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out, helps other people find the podcast, and it's really encouraging to see um, all of your wonderful comments. Um, also, we have a newsletter that goes out every week, and you can find out more new books, book reviews. Um, some of the books that we talk about, like we're currently reading, we review later in the newsletter. So you'll definitely want to check out to find out what happens with those. And that's our show. So thank you all so much for listening, and join us next time where we will be talking about Inside Out and Back Again and Whereas. In the meantime, you can find Reading Women on social media at The Reading Women. You can also find Kendra and me and everything we're up to at Autumn Privet and at Katie Winchester. And thank you all again so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.